0: Well, uh, Merry Christmas. It's a, it's a wonderful opportunity for us to celebrate the birth of Jesus. I don't know about you, but I actually breathe a sigh of relief uh, when Christmas morning comes. Not just because it's Christmas, but because it means an end of all the Christmas craziness. Uh, if you've been to the shops recently or out on Sydney roads in the last couple of weeks, you'll know they call Christmas the silly season for a reason. Or maybe you've been to visit some Christmas lights, perhaps in Ashbury, or maybe you know another street nearby where where the neighbours seem to be having some kind of macho competition uh, to see who can squeeze the most number of lights and drain the most power from the power grid uh, on their houses. And I do think it is always men. I'm I'm right in that, aren't I? Not, I don't know too many mums who have got time around Christmas to spend hours up a ladder attaching coloured lights to every available surface. Uh, silly season. I, I've heard there you can even see some of these streets from the International Space Station; they, they glow so brightly. Uh, and it's silly season because people can get away with wearing Santa hats and uh, weird Christmas shirts. And uh, or knitted Christmas jumpers in the middle of summer and no one even gives them a second look. And it's silly season because there are the office Christmas parties where competent, hard-working employees for 364 days of the year let down their hair and perhaps drink too much and say too much and kiss the boss and do all kinds of other silly stuff they'd rather forget. I read a news story a couple of years ago where some workplaces had not banned a Christmas party, they'd banned mobile phones at office parties. So no one could record any of the silly stuff and put it on social media. Personally, I think it makes much more sense to do what Leah's work did for their Christmas lunch with the partners. They just banned booze altogether. And then you're unlikely to do anything silly enough for someone to photograph uh, and it's silly season because people race around buying gifts, let's be honest, the loved ones don't really need or want, uh, and spending far more money than they can afford, and eating far more food than they need, and then they spend January trying to make up for the mistakes that they've made and resolving to do it differently next Christmas. And so that's why on Christmas morning, and as we meet here for church, in lots of ways it's a, it's a great time, but it's also a bit of a relief, I think because we get to stop and to consider the first Christmas, and we sing and we pray and we rejoice, and we can just reset our focus and reorder our priorities. And as we do, it's worth considering some of the things that happened around that first Christmas may sound, well, a little silly to the rest of Australia. Uh, In a culture that thinks that life, and especially Christmas, is all about consuming and being comfortable, uh, in a world that thinks that the purpose of life is about chasing satisfaction through status and pleasure, then that first Christmas looks really silly indeed. That first Christmas turns our world's ideas about what's valuable and what matters upside down. Uh, It's summarised in the story of that first big public announcement of Christmas to a bunch of shift-working shepherds in a dark field. They're out under the stars, shivering in the cold, watching the sheep. Everyone else is home asleep. Uh, That's the scene we've got in Luke chapter 2, verse 8. And then suddenly those humble farmers receive a cosmic, earth-changing announcement. There's a bright light and an angel in full flight. And in verse 9 we read, An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And as you and I would be, I think, they were terrified. But I want to ask you the question, if you were the Lord of the universe, and you were going to send an angel to make a, a grand announcement for the whole world, who would you send the angel to? Maybe to the United Nations General Assembly in Geneva, that's probably a good place. Or, or maybe to, Barack, uh, to uh, Barack Obama and his 110 million Twitter followers, that would be a fairly good start. Or, or maybe you'd go to Cristiano Ronaldo with his 193 million Instagram followers. That would get the message out fairly quickly. You'd go to the important people, the rich and the famous, you'd, you'd go to the influencers, But here's the silly thing, at least in our way of thinking, the angel goes to a bunch of shivering shepherds with no Twitter followers at all. No power, no influence, no connections. And he says to them in verse 10, Do not be afraid, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Saviour has been born to you. He's Christ, the Lord. The king, the nation of Israel, had been waiting for for centuries. All those years, the one who who will bring great joy, he's come at last, and I'm telling you guys. It's silly. It doesn't make sense to introduce the king who will change the world to a group with no contacts and no credibility. If you were the public relations guy that took that campaign strategy to the meeting, you'd be sacked. And look, here's the bit that gets even more silly. Verse 12, this will be a sign for you. You'll find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. What kind of king comes in those circumstances? A baby king wrapped in cloths, a rug rat in rags, a prince in a poor house, majesty in a manger. Weak, powerless, insignificant. It's hardly the great first impression you might expect. Hardly the best strategic beginning to launch worldwide domination. I don't know whether you've ever seen cows or sheep eating from a feed trough. Can I just say it's not a particularly neat and uh, hygienic sort of situation. The farmer pours in a bag of oats or breaks up a bale of hay and the animals just stampede up and butt each other out of the way and... They munch and they dribble and then they lick it till it's empty. Look in the feed trough, says the angel. That's where you'll find the king. It doesn't make sense. Doesn't it? If he's meant to be important, why would you look there? And here's another thing. It seems really silly that a king like that will bring great joy. Because we, we all know what really brings joy especially at this time of year, don't we? It's a big pile of presents. That brings you great joy, isn't that right? At least that's what we tell ourselves every year. More stuff, more happiness. And so it sounds kind of silly and unimpressive when you're addicted to luxury and comfort to see a king lying in a feed trough, wrapped in rags, and to think that a king like that will bring joy. Uh, You know, I wonder if the real silliness of silly season is that as a culture, we don't know what brings us joy anymore. We don't know what brings us joy. We we don't know where to look for real satisfaction. And so maybe we, we pile up the food on our plates or we pile up the presents under the tree because we think that's where happiness is. And so, silly season makes us do silly things like going into too much debt or eating too much food or expecting too much when the family gets together that they might actually get on when they haven't for the rest of the year. And often we end up disappointed. The Australian Psycholo- uh, Psychology Association website says we're living through an epidemic of overconsumption, materialism, debt, waste, and stress. They could be describing Christmas, couldn't they? And psychological studies again and again show that materialism doesn't produce happiness. It produces depression and anxiety instead. But we don't need a psychological study to know that, do we? We know it from experience. We know that that buzz we feel from the new clothes or the new gadget, it'll last a few days, but then it goes. And at best, we're back to where we were before, but but at worst, we end up feeling more empty and less content and less joyful. And so maybe the real silliness is we keep listening to the culture and the media that the way to be truly happy is with more stuff, newer or better stuff, and that you should never be content with what you've got. You should never be content with humble circumstances. And you should never be satisfied with putting your baby in rags, in a food box. And yet the reality is in in those kind of humble circumstances we see the heart of God. And, And not only when he chose to introduce his son into the world. When Mary first received the news of her coming birth in, in Luke chapter 1 just before this one she sings a song where she praises God and, and as she sings she identifies the way God works in the world and in verse 51 of Luke chapter 1 she says he's scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts he's lifted he's brought down the rulers from their thrones but has lifted up the humble He's filled the hungry with good things, but he sent the rich away empty. That's the way God works in the world. It's totally back to front. It's silly, but those are God's priorities, to notice and welcome and support the weak and the poor and the humble. And he looks down on the proud and on the bully. That was God. And and, and when Jesus came, he lived out those same things. He demonstrates them. He proves them. He steps into our world in flesh, not with a birth in the best hospital, surrounded by hundreds of midwives, but here wrapped in cloths in a shed with shepherds watching on. And from there he lives and then ends up on a Roman cross, paying not for his own sins but for ours, and bringing us peace, reconciling us to God our Father. Because restored relationships is really where joy is found. It's true of human relationships that the best Christmas will always be when when family works, family and friends just get together and it's great. Joy is found in restored relationships, but it's especially true when the relationship that's fixed is the one with your Creator, the God of the universe who holds your life in His hands. That, that's certainly my experience, and I know for lots of people out there that great, they will swear to this great joy comes when you know and love through the Lord Jesus the God who made you. Great joy. Uh, If we were a certain type of church, I may even hear a few Amen brothers coming back at me in agreement at that point. It's the joy of knowing God. That's where joy comes from, being restored to that relationship. It's what the hosts of angels were hinting at when they they provide the backing singers to to this one angel. Uh, They fill the sky and then they sing to the shepherds in verse 13. It's the world's first flash mob Verse 13, suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace to men on whom his favour rests. Peace. Uh, Peace with God and peace on earth. There's the promise. Uh, Peace is more than simply the ending of hostilities, it's more than just the absence of war. Peace in the Bible is shalom peace. Uh, a positive thing, a, a rich, contented, balanced fulfilment. Life, the way it's meant to be lived. That's what the angels are singing about now, but, but also into eternity. And that's why the lead singer, the, 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 the angel, is promising great joy. Great joy is found with Jesus because he brings peace. Great joy is found there rather than all the places we look for it. And so the shepherds decide to go and see. Verse 16, that they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they'd seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherd said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they'd heard and seen, which were just as they'd been told. What a great example for us to follow. To follow Mary... She treasured up all these things. She pondered them in her heart. You may not get to it today, but when the dust settles from Christmas, why not pull the Bible off the shelf? Read about Jesus. Read about what happened when the baby grew up. And follow the example of the shepherds. Enjoy Christmas, but don't look for joy in the wrong places. You won't find it where the world says... Forget the parties and the food and the presents. Search out and find the unexpected king who brings joy and peace. And then live for him, uh, telling whoever you see that he is where joy and peace are found. So can I say, if you're here visiting today, I know there are dozens of people sitting around you this morning who can tell you without a moment's hesitation that that's exactly what they've found joy and peace and purpose, just like the shepherds, and that it's not so silly, and that they have found peace and joy that's real and that lasts, and and that you won't find anywhere else. Perhaps you can talk to someone over morning tea, which will be a little later. We'd love to have you. Uh, Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you once again for the Lord Jesus. We, We thank you for the chance to think about uh, this story. And uh, we pray that we might seek out and follow the Lord Jesus, that he would bring us joy and peace. Amen.